Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there's huge curiosity surrounding these topics, and we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared, and we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of corrections. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. From uniforms to uniforms. From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small-batched and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Haven't seen you in forever. I so know. This is fun. I was just going to say, it's been a hot yeah. minute since we recorded a podcast, which is... No kidding. We kind of did a, a big stretch of like a bunch in a few weeks uh, mm-hmm. to have a little bit of a break over the summer, but um, but we're back. My kids are in Calgary for the week. So it's That's like, awesome. <laughs> we're podcasting this week. That's what we're doing. So, uh, yeah. So excited to see you. I like your hair. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excited to see you and excited. Today, we've got Nikki Cluche. She's from Blue Line Fitness Testing. She joined, is joining us today and we're super excited. Hi, Nikki. Hi, ladies. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Oh, well, awesome. thank you. We appreciate it. Oh. Yeah, so good. So we're, we've, we're going to start with uh, what led you to corrections? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not really the career that everyone says, when I grow up, I want <laughs> yeah. to work in corrections. <laughs> Did you even know what it was? Like, what, um, what age were you when you figured it out? Well, like, I knew, you know, you know about, like, jails and stuff like that, but you don't really know, like the staff that are working there. And so I did, a deg- I have a degree in criminology from the U of A and I always wanted to kind of be in law enforcement as I was growing up. Like when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a police officer all the way through. So everything I did kind of through school, high school leading into it. Plus you didn't have to take math in criminology at the U of A, which I was <laughs> like, that was, that alone sold me on the program. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but it was awesome. I got to do two different practicums with the degree. So I did one with the RCMP and I did one with the Edmonton Young Offender Center. So I was kind of introduced to corrections there. And then when I graduated, I started working in group homes and I very quickly realized that that was not where I was wanted to be. I love the kids and I love being able to work with them, but 
I, it was very emotionally draining to be there um, and like pour your heart and soul into these kids. And then they went home for a home visit for a weekend and they came back and like everything that you had done with them for the last four months was completely negated. So mm-hmm. I knew that that was not going to be a kind of a long haul for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was working as a lifeguard at the time. And there was these two guys that would always come in and like big muscly guys and they could not swim and they would get in one end of the pool and they would try and swim just the length of the pool. And I would walk like next to them with my flutter board, freaking out, like, please don't drown. Cause you guys are big. And I don't know if I can get you out. Right. So one day I said to them, I was like, how are you here every day? Like, do you not have jobs? And they were like, yeah, we do. We're, we're correctional officers. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, one of them worked at the fort at Fort okay. Saskatchewan Correctional Center. And one of them worked at Edmonton Remand Center. And I was like, Oh, I was like, are you guys hiring? Cause like I just graduated and I have my degree in criminology and they were like, yes, apply right now. So oh, I applied wow. and yeah, I applied, I applied at all three EYOC, the fort and Edmonton Remand Center. And I got interviews at all three, but uh, ERC hired me right away. And so I was like, okay, I guess, I guess that's what I'm doing. 22 mm-hmm. years old, right? Fresh face, like rolling in thinking I'm going to be like saving the world. <laughs> oh, like me, hey, Sharon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> did you, uh, did you, so did you not know about federal or you're just like, you, yeah. just, you probably didn't know the difference. You probably didn't know too much about the difference, right? I didn't, I did I, I knew about federal because I'd done volunteer work with Elizabeth right. Fry and we had done volunteer at Empton Institute for Women. So I knew about it. I just didn't like really look into the federal gotcha. side of things. Um, but provincial, yeah, it was just there. And they were all three centers were hiring. So I was like, okay, I'll put a resume in and see what happens. Yeah, yeah <laughs> fair, good. But yeah, so I started working there in 2002 and um, quickly, you know, ERC is pretty busy back then. It wasn't as busy as it is now, but it was still pretty busy and lots to learn. Started on the female units and kind of got my feet wet there and then moved down into the male units. And then I became a supervisor. I was uh, five years in and that was kind of unheard of at the time, especially as a female, as the youngest female supervisor. And so that rustled a lot of feathers. So that was mm-hmm. my first kind of intro to um, when you go from being one of the boys and girls to being a supervisor and how people, their uh, mentalities change towards you, which I was, again, naive and young, right? I just thought, well, like, I just have these stripes on my shoulders, but it's still me. I'm still Nikki. And it was like, no, you're a supervisor now. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, great experiences, great, like I loved, I loved working the front lines. I loved being on the units. I loved, I had a fantastic, I mean, I had some terrible partners, as we all know, terrible, terrible partners, but I had some amazing partners too that I really loved. And um, I had lots of opportunities. I worked, like I said, the female units, the male units. I worked in our missions and discharge unit. We were called the book bitch. So usually the, the female was the one that carried the count and everything. And, you know, you had to make sure that everybody was where they were supposed to be. And, um, you know, strip search and change all the females that came in because rebound, obviously you got a high turnover. Um, mm-hmm. So learned lots down there, learned a lot down there. And you learned a lot about the court processes and the documentation and stuff, which I really liked. And then I moved into central control and did, you know, and then you're doing all the doors, all the elevators, all the code responses, that kind of stuff. Um, I was a member of our tactical team, which was awesome. I was the only female on the tactical team at the time, which was really, really cool. And again, another huge learning experience. Um, a lot of the tactical entries and stuff like that, like that was really, I really enjoyed that. Did you get that. to use those skills quite a bit there or? 
Um, we did, we had, we had two riots while I was on the team. Um, one was smaller, one was an awe at full call out in the middle of the night. Um, oh, wow. was pretty, that one was pretty, pretty scary when you walk in and they're like trying to breach the staff station with the vacuum pole and stuff like that. That was, yeah. it was definitely, it was like, oh my God. But it's also, I mean, and it's so funny because, the, you know, the inmates, they're like, and you guys know, right? They're all hard until you actually roll in there. And we had the ISPRO, which is the big like fire extinguisher size canister of OC yeah. spray in it basically like paints the whole unit in orange, right? And so they were running around like idiots and then we whispered the unit and then they had their t-shirts over their faces and their towels over their faces. And the one thing I remember was we had little 13 inch black and white TVs. Or maybe they might've been color then, but they were just little. And these two inmates like ripped the TV off of the like TV stand. And we thought they were gonna wreck it, but they took it and they hid it in their cell because they said after when we were extracting them all, boss, we knew that if the television got broken, we would never get it back. So we wanted to protect the TV with all of us. Right? And I was like, it just made me laugh because I'm like, these are the priorities, right? You're rioting, you're trashing the place, but let's save the TV. Save the TV. Yeah. Yeah, we know. No one's in a new TV. That's for exactly. sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that was it. And then moved into supervision and moved up to our admission or um, our admin and SAG and our disciplinary SAG units, which was, again, another eye-opener to see supervision of staff, but then also those inmates and kind of the challenges that come with that. Um, and the mental health unit as well was another challenging one. And then I got onto the new Edmonton Remount Center project team. So I was part of that. I worked at head office for two years doing basically the planning, like exactly how the jail was actually physically going to look, picking out kind of the detention grade furniture that we would need, how the units would look, how, you know, what's, which way the stairs would go, that kind of stuff, being able to have input on that was really good. And then the last year I was doing all the training for the, for the staff moving over because Edmonton Remand Center, the old one downtown was closed supervision. So essentially you were in a bubble um, kind of locked in in your office in the bubble with glass and then every hour you would go out of your office you'd do around you'd come back and you'd be basically kind of locked back in your bubble whereas new Edmonton Remand Center is open concept so essentially your desk is kind of in the middle of the unit um, you know like there's no barriers there's nothing like that so there was a lot of stress and anxiety and uncertainty from the staff moving from that closed supervision mm. to open open, super, um, open concept and so, and again, just huge change. I mean, you're, you're going into a completely new jail, all different layout, all different responses, all different um, like technology. We went from, you know, toggle switches to open the cell doors to like now everything's on a touch screen on the computer. Uh, you know, we used to count in a logbook, write it down when, on paper, you know, your moves yeah. were written on paper to now everything is on a computer system. You're, you're digitally sending an inmate to visit. So you're digitally sending an inmate and you're counting stuff wow. like that. So, yeah. Wow. That's very cool. I, I, so at women, at a women's facility, which you know, like most of our security is dynamic, right? So we, like in our security unit, obviously we're in a bubble, but most of our security was dynamic. We didn't have, you know, cameras in the houses. We didn't have, mm -hmm. like, we went in the houses to see what was going on, not mm -hmm. watch it on a camera. So yeah, that's, that's interesting to hear. Um, you say like move everything to more of a dynamic security situation, uh -huh. right? 
Oh. Well, and, and I mean, part of that too is, you know, like it's, it was when you're in the bubble, you really don't know what's going on out there. Like right. you are so reactive to, you know, like, oh, the fight already broke out. Okay, let's call the code. Let's go right. out. Let's deal right. with it. Whereas like open concept, you can hear them when they start beacon at each other at the table, when they're like, you're fucking cheating a card and they start, you know, and so then you can already be like, Hey, knock it off. Yeah. Like, or you're locking up. Right. So that like, and, but again, the uncertainty of, of, you know, like, but they could, they could jump the staff station. They could, you know, they could attack us. They could do this. Well, they, they could, they could do that now, like yeah. close supervision. Right. So it was that kind of education. And, and I mean, we had a lot of um, very senior staff too. I was just going to say that would be hard for the yes. people. That, yeah. <laughs> I work, I work at a women's shelter uh, casually, but even like my security background very much is like, this is very unsafe. We can't like, why are we just sitting in the, and, and they're, they're not inmates. Right. But to yeah. me, like the security mm-hmm. of that is like, wow, we have no place to go. If something happened in this room, like the desk needs to be like, just mm-hmm. my brain works. So I can imagine people from, you know, the old institution to the new institution going, Nope, I'm out. No. I, yeah. There's yeah. no way I'm doing that. Right? Yeah, we well, we we did. We lost a lot. We lost a lot of those senior staff. A lot of them chose to retire either oh, early, wow. you know, a year or two early, or just yeah. to, like they were like, nope. Some of them took transfers to the fort. Some of them, yeah, and some of them just pulled the pin and said, this this isn't for me. So there was a very high turnover of staff, and plus we went from needing, you know, we used to have sixty ish, sixty five on shift at the re at the new remand you have 150 per shift, oh. right? So yeah, yeah, there's a, that's a lot of staff. So even just needing to fill all those posts, um, you know, like that was like, that was a lot of training. So, um, and then we opened in April of 2013, we were open for two weeks and all the staff walked out on strike. Oh God. Um, I remember. Yeah, I, remember I do that. remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the big wildcat strike. And so I had actually, during the project, I had been promoted into a management role, so no longer union. Um, and so as managers, we were um, basically ordered to stay. And uh, that was uh, that was a very nightmarish five days. I was pregnant. I was four months pregnant with my um, middle daughter, but I hadn't told anybody yet. And so, and we worked like the first two days I worked 21 hours. The next two days I worked 18 and then the last day I worked 16 because there just wasn't enough managers from across, you know, the province to basically fill all the posts that we needed to. We went to, um, we we used to each pod, so there's seven pods, each pod had its own kind of pod control officer that would control the doors within that pod. And then we have a central control which is where, you know, they can kind of control all of the doors if needed. And so because there was no staff and there was no people there, it all defaulted to central. And because I was the one that had done all the like training and had helped kind of decide, they were like, you're in central, go. And I was like, oh my God. Like, so it was me by myself for the first three days. And we had a couple other managers come in and try and cycle through. And then the last two days we had the RCMP um, trying to help but again it's really tough because you get police that are coming in law enforcement great law enforcement officers but you know they're like the inmates are like hey we need like 10 garbage bags 
And they're like, okay, here's 10 garbage bags. And I was like, don't give them 10 garbage bags. And they're like, why? It's a garbage bag. And I was like, cause they're making brew. Like yeah, yeah. garbage bags back, right? But like, so having to explain that. Or they're that plastering kind of the window. So they got yeah, like, totally. Right? I was like, we don't want 10 gar- garbage bags to do. <laughs> right? They're filling them with water. They're going to yeah. wait the door. Like, you know, yeah, I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. So yeah, they're pissing in them and shoving them under the doors and they're yes. stuff on them. Yeah, totally. You know. yeah, yeah, exactly. And RCMP was just like, "What the hell?" And I was like, "Yeah, welcome to Corrections." Yeah. <laughs> crazy, so crazy, yeah. hey? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was really crazy. And like the other hard part of that too was like, you know, these staff that you're trying to build as a manager, right? I was trying to build this you know, great kind of rapport with our staff and we're going to be a team. And, and then they separated us. They were like, you management, you're going in. And, and they, the other stupid thing they did. And I mean, I like don't work for the government anymore. So I will do a little bit of a bash for my government. But they, <laughs> they decided a great idea as we moved to the new jail would be to put all the managers in white shirts, mm. put all the frontline staff in blue shirts. And like, if you could not have like drawn a, a, more black and white line between management and frontline than putting us in different color shirts. It was a terrible idea. And not to mention a white shirt in corrections. Like, what do you yeah. think? Yeah. <laughs> clearly, clearly a, a man thought that. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. We're wearing a white shirt. And it was awful because the inmates would see right. a white shirt. I want to talk to the white shirt. Yeah. I want to talk yeah. to the white I shirt. Talk and to like, her. Yeah. Frontline staff lost all power because some managers, shitty managers, would be like, oh, I'll go deal with it. And it's like, no, man, like that's, that's you got to give that back to the front line. They got to have that power. That's their unit. That's not our unit. We just come mm-hmm. in and do our rounds. Like, so that was a big issue. And then, yeah, like the strike really divided everybody. I had like staff that were like sitting on my car, wouldn't let me in, wouldn't let oh, me God. go. Right? Oh, God. And, you know, like I'm almost in tears. I'm like, I've been working 21 hours. I'm pregnant. I'm crazy. Like just... Mm. Let me go home and get four hours of sleep for those. And four months pregnant. I remember being like so tired. Like the exhaustion was just beyond, right? Right. And with and with a second one. You're already dealing with one. So you're even more exhausted (laughs) the second time around. Uh Sharon and I went through something similar. We went through a um remember when we had our union our strike? Our strike, yeah. But we were we're, we were locked, like there was one of them that we were locked inside. So we yeah. were basically sleeping there in order to work, right? So mm-hmm. so anyone then, who wasn't there when it happened, um, we were there. So I, I, I was there. I remember sleeping in like, we had mm-hmm. this room where we put our pop bottles, like all the bags <laughs> of pop. And we were like <laughs> sleeping in this room beside bags of bottles. And it was a poop bathroom. That's where everyone went to poop. So it was yeah. like, you were sleeping <laughs> in the poop bathroom. Um, but I remember like, so it was like, we did 16 hours basically every mm-hmm. single time. I think one time was like 21 hours by the time mm-hmm. the line had gone down and we were able to, to leave, but to yeah. Leave. And it yeah. was massive division. Like that created massive mm-hmm. division between, um, you know, CX twos and CX fours. So yeah, I can totally, mm-hmm. I can totally see. And then the other one, the other one was, um, uh, for the other, the other union, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I so think we, we were, that one, I re, the first one I remember you and I were inside. Yeah, we, that was, but, the, that was that, the UCO one. Yeah, that, that one in itself, like not only created division between us and the keepers, but us and the people who were outside, we were like, 
I need to go home like at some point, like I can't just keep doing this. Yeah. And you're right. Sleeping on pop bottles and <laughs> eating, uh, eating crackers with peanut butter. Do you remember like yeah. those little bags of crackers, the two yeah. thing with peanut butter. <laughs> the that's what eating. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. What eating. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And the second one, that's right. We were, we weren't the the other uh, union was on. It was strike. like our nurses and our all of That's that. Right, they yeah. were on strike. Yeah, so we weren't crossing the line because of that. But I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting in my car outside. I, I wasn't Same. part of that whole Same inside deal. Yeah, it's like I'm for sure not getting locked in for that shit. Again. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Had enough of those in my life. Been there, been there and been done there. that. Got that T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. And then after it happened, you remember we uh, the they bought all the inmates McDonald's for and yeah. to thank them to thank them for their um patience. for their patience uh of being <laughs> locked up I was like oh my gosh this cannot be happening right and it was no. like front page of the Edmonton uh I remember it was front page like their the sure headline was like they're loving it yeah. and it was like <laughs> Edmonton it was nuts it was that was probably and I would say I wasn't in that long maybe a year Maybe mm-hmm. it was like probably 2005, 2006 when all of that happened. And that was just, yeah, I remember thinking, where the fuck did mm-hmm. I sign up to work? If I hadn't already thought that 500 times before, I know. this was like the icing on the cake. Like Totally. If We're nothing, like, where's, where's our happy meal? Like, fuck you guys, right? Yeah, totally. Back. <laughs> oh, it was so okay. Okay, so I want to know, uh, because you worked with both, simultaneously what what was your experience with females as opposed to males um in the in the institution uh well you know it's funny because like i I mean females they're way bigger of a handful way more of a handful than than the guys are in like minor like minuscule things but like the minuscule things add up to like all day being like shut the fuck up oh my god like because like you tell a and i mean like all your male listeners are gonna like love this because you tell a woman no and she's like but actually about this but if i ask it this way but how about if i rephrase it i'm gonna come back in two minutes i'm gonna ask you again yeah Um, said no but like did you really no like today you meant no today but can i ask again tomorrow and who's working tomorrow because i'll see if i can ask that person exactly so but i did i mean again like once you once you kind of and i mean this went for any inmate any unit you worked right once you got in past that first two weeks of like if you got shit you know you got moved to a different pod or different unit the first two weeks or first, first two sets are always rough right because the inmates are question buttons what are your rules what are your hard and fast what do you well, you, you know what are you going to snap show on if we yeah, do yeah. right and so but once those girls figured it out they you know for the most part they're pretty good i i liked the females because cleanliness for me was a huge thing and the women are usually always clean and if they're not always clean you can like peer pressure them and you know be like well nobody gets the phones until sally smith cleans her cell so we'll just Mm -hmm. all wait until sally smith gets out of bed and goes and cleans her cell you know and so that was really good because the girl like i said the girls were a lot cleaner um there was a lot more emotional stuff you had to deal with with the females you know uh, they're on the phone they're losing their kids they're you know Mm -hmm. they're they're dealing with a bunch of stuff like that that that, you know, as a fellow female, it was kind of, you were able to kind of relate to them, I, I guess, just a little bit more. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was also women that I was like, you are a pain in my fucking ass. Like, <laughs> just go away, right? Like, stop manipulating, stop being in the, the constant manipulation and then the constant division, right? Because if one of them, if they didn't like one girl in the unit, then the whole unit didn't like her. And then you had to deal with admin seg because the, and it was just like, you know what? Just do your own dang time. Like, do your own time, mind your own business, you're fine, right? We Where's called it that? voting each other off the island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, were like, <laughs> we were like, this isn't Survivor. You don't get to vote people off the island. Because yes. we, we had houses of 10 women, right? So sometimes yeah. it's like, you can't move her to our house. We're like, well, where would you like us to put her? Exactly. Yeah, totally. Right? And yeah, we're like, yeah. sometimes sometimes we were like, oh, we really do need to move her. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. we were like, make it work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And then, I mean, the guys, like the guys for the most part, again right they just they you say no they might come back once or twice but usually they're like okay and off they go right but they are pigs they are disgusting for them like i mean you need to get like one or two so we had we have 72 on a unit at erc when it's at capacity right so you know you get out of 72 you're probably going to get two or three that are just disgusting and then the rest are you know kind of middle of the road and then you get two or three that are like ocd clean right so um but yeah like i mean the the, the other thing too is the guys like i mean i just always once you become a mom right you just employ mom voice with them like i remember saying to a guy who was freaking out like i was like are you honestly having a temper tantrum right now like are you acting like my three-year-old you need to knock it off or you're gonna go and he was like oh okay like just like walked away and I was like like really you know so, I just did this at home 15 minutes ago totally that's exactly it yeah so and I mean yeah the violence like I mean I won't say women are women are just as violent as guys just as violent like that whole life I one of the year um I was listening to you know like oh these women they're not going they're not in gangs and they're not gonna say yeah they are where you are like who who said that because these girls are just as vicious mm-hmm. if not more like planning vicious right like they're gonna wait two three weeks for an attack on another girl whereas guys it'll be two to three days and then it blows up right but then the other thing too is it blows up they scrap each other maybe they get separated maybe they don't you know maybe it's just two cellmates who are pissed off at each other they can still coexist on the unit together for the most part when two chicks fight well that's it the whole unit like we're saying the whole unit is now divided because they were on this girl's side and they were on this girl's side that was for me that was a big you know difference it was like they're super women are super needy and they're super you know clicky and like and you look at it in real life and you're like hey it's not just inmates (laughs) (laughs) right yeah so true it's so true like I remember uh so my first however long was in women's and I went to Bowdoin and the first uh physical fight it was hilarious because you know we were called to respond it was my first day of course and I didn't have yeah I didn't have handcuffs or anything yet and when I was running I was just like I don't even know what building and this girl's like just run behind me so we we get there and the fight was already over and Mm -hmm. So my partner was like at like with one guy who had punched someone and we were looking for the other, like an inmate who walked up to me with their hands out, ready to get cuffed and said, I'm sorry, boss. So I was like, 
just hold on. I don't have cuffs, but just hold that <laughs> thought, right? And then I have some zip ties in my pocket. I know. Just, just hold on, and just then stand there. We, yeah, and then we walk them to admin seg, and then that was the end of the incident. And I remember go, waiting, and they're like, "What are you doing, Fernandez?" I was like, "Is there going to be no head banging? Is there? <laughs> this is it? They're not going to be crying yeah. and screaming." They don't have. A, they don't Sorry. have a. a a razor shoved up their vagina <laughs> yeah. that they're yes. gonna start slashing with in 45 I'm like, minutes. that's it? They're like, yeah, and they'll probably like be out of SAG in two hours and walk back to their unit together, right? Because it's yeah. done for them. They're yeah. over it. I'm like, oh, like that's not what happened with us, right? In the women's <laughs> yeah. prison, it was like weeks later. Yeah. It's still the same incident, right? The good thing though, and like you had said about the dynamic security is like, you hear them fighting about cards. So like when we'd be in the houses, if they didn't know we were there um, and we always had to like say that we were there, but upstairs they couldn't hear us, but we, you would, you would catch little tidbits of like information before it ever happened. Right. So mm -hmm. that, that is, or, or they would come to you and tell you because yeah. you were there and you know, you're sitting on the, you're sitting on the patio having a coffee and a smoke, just mm -hmm. shooting the shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, it that, that's like, that's about the building rapport too, right? Like, you know, you, I was, I did a bunch of training officer stuff and, you know, you have guys and I say guys, it's usually male staff just because again, ERC is mostly male dominated, right? Yeah. But they either come in and they're like, I am the law because I wear a uniform and I'm like, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> there, right? yeah. Or they want to be everybody's friend because, you know, they think that's how to build right and it's like well, you're gonna get manipulated so you have to find that fine line of between you know like these are my hard and fast rules these are things that I will always you know black and white and then these are the rules that I'm kind of like yeah okay in this situation you're right which we, we could bend that rule or in this situation yeah the, the you know this is what this calls for um and then you know there's other times where I'd just be like if I don't see it, I don't give a shit, right? Like you want to, you want to keep your pop bottle. If I, if I don't find it while I'm doing my cell search, then I don't give a shit if you have a pop bottle, right? Like, you know, but then you got people that are hard and fast, like, you know, I'm, uh, we call them heat bags. I'm assuming you guys yeah. call them. Yeah. Right. So, you know, like yeah. you just, you just heated up the unit for eight hours. You were a dick to these guys for eight hours and you wonder why you hate your job and you wonder why your shift was shitty. Mm -hmm. you made your shift shitty like yeah. you being a dick to these guys made your shift shitty like mm -hmm. if you go out there shoot the show some of them are the funniest freaking inmates you've ever talked to like some of them some of their stories you're just like how are you alive like yeah. i don't understand <laughs> right? mm -hmm. i remember like catching them smoking they always smoke in the house they weren't they had a smoking room remember this sharon they had a yeah. smoking room mm -hmm. they smoke in the room what the fuck's the point of a smoke just smoke anywhere honestly yeah. if you're gonna smoke <laughs> yeah. in the house you're gonna smoke in the house but i remember we would catch them and the one inmate i had said to her I caught her all the time. And I was like, for crying out loud. And she's like, Lauren, I'm in here because I don't know how to follow rules. And I was like, yeah. oh, fucking. <laughs> right. Fair but enough. everyone would charge her. Everyone, she had like, every time court happened, it was like, she had like 15 smoking charges. So finally, I was like, every time I catch you smoking, you're doing 50 push ups. And she was like, what? That's bullshit. I was like, no. <laughs> I swear to God, every time she heard me coming, she'd like, put that smoke out because I'm like, I don't, she don't want me to catch her because what's five bucks? But I would like make her go on the patio 
and I would stand there and watch her do 50 push-ups and she only ever did it twice but after that she was like I don't want Lauren to catch me because I'll have to do push-ups <laughs> yeah, that worked exactly. right and we joked yeah. about it she was like ah, I just thought I just finished my smoke five minutes ago ha so we made like a game of it right and it was funny but she was right they're not in there because they know how to follow rules right Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. that tactic doesn't work for the most part right to be a a hard ass so that was well and i was always one of those people like when i even as a manager right so you're supposed to do your rounds supposed to go to every unit go, you know, check in. I would always do my rounds. That was one thing that I was a hard and fast on for my managers was I would get out there on the units and I'd go door to door and I'd talk to the inmates. Right. And I, you know, they knew who I was. They knew when I was coming again, cleanliness for me was huge. So they knew as soon as I walked on the unit, they would like scatter, right. They're running for their cells because they're like, Oh my God, Nikki's here. You know, Miss Tom. I went by, I went by my maiden name when I was at work. So it was Miss, Miss Thompson, Miss T's here, Miss T's here. Go, go, go. Like get, take the sunshine girls down. Cause she's going to rip them off the wall. Right. <laughs> But, but the, the other thing was, you know, I was the one who would, I would come on the range and I'd be like, okay, guys, the word of the day is, and I would pick some random word and I'd be like, like, so one of them was plethora. Okay. The word of the day today is plethora guys. What does plethora mean? Whoever can tell me what plethora means, you get a coffee. Cause I had like instant coffees from canteen. I like, you get an instant coffee. And like to see these guys, girls, again, I did it on all the ranges, right? To see them be like, okay, what is it? Was it? They're on the phone to their girlfriend, Google plethora, Google plethora, <laughs> right? Their girlfriend's like, what are you talking about, right? Because they wanted a free coffee. So like, that's the thing, right? I mean, like when you can make that, that rapport with them and you can have that, you know, ability to kind of have them, you know, respect you because they knew that cleanliness was big. So for the most part, they would never, ever, it wouldn't be dirty when I went around, but they also knew that I was the one that like would come on and do, you know, word of the day, or oh. I would have like, okay, stairs competition. How many sets of stairs can you do? You'll get, you know, bag of chips or something like that. Right. Like that kind of stuff. And I mean, it keeps them, it keeps them productively busy as opposed to sitting in their cells, thinking about ways to get out or yeah. damage things or hurt us. Right. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. That, yeah, that was definitely kind of how I always, you know, tried to run my things. And then, you know, like we, we talk about being a supervisor and, and listening to your podcast and hearing, you know, most of the people that are calling in are, or that you have as guests are, are frontline, right? I, I was a manager and, and the different, the side of being a manager and being caught in the middle of like the uppers head office coming down and saying, this is what we're going to do. And you're like, you have clearly never worked a day in a jail Mm -hmm. in your dang life. Like, you're There's the shit no in way. the middle of the shit sandwich. That exactly. is your job. That's your job. <laughs> totally. Totally. And then, and being like, this is ridiculous. There's no way that this is going to work. This is a terrible idea. There's no way we're going to get buy-in from staff. And then having to turn around and muster in front of 150 staff, be like, okay, guys. So that's what's happening this week. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be outlawed next week. Cause it's fucking yeah. stupid, but, yeah. Yeah. but let's do it this week. Yeah. Right. And, and trying to motivate yourself and, you know, like we, uh, we've talked um, a little bit about, you know, mental health and stress and, you know, like it is a stressful job and you have staff coming in, they're burnt out, they're working 16 hours, you know, there's a ton of overtime at ERC just because of the amount of posts we have. Plus COVID wiped a lot of staff out. There's a lot of, you know, again, you just burnout. You COVID staff, hey? Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I, yeah, so yeah, I, you're not I, there. I, I'm not there, but I do have 
still some very good friends that were there. And from what I, from what they've told me, they, they contained it quite well and they did their best um, to keep their staff safe and to keep their, keep the inmates safe. Um, but again, right. It's a pandemic. It's a yeah, disease. There's nothing you can do. However, and, right. And people don't just live at the jail, right. They have yeah. lives outside of the jail mm -hmm. exactly. and, and spouses who work in other facilities or mm -hmm. different yeah capacities yeah yeah, no. yeah. but yeah that, that burnout and then and then trying to be a champion for your staff right staff coming forward and like I you know I tried to be the best manager I could as as a human being right when you yeah. come to me and you tell me like yeah I'm going through a divorce and my wife is taking the kids and yeah, that's why I haven't been at work. Okay, man, like, let's work on this, right? But then you're being told, and again, this is from one of your other episodes. Okay, well, they're, they're going to be on attendance management because they haven't come mm -hmm. to work. And I'm like, yeah. I am not putting this person on attendance management. Mm -hmm. I know what they're going through. They are not comfortable telling you. And it's not my place to tell you why this person has been missing work, but they've come to me and they've made it apparent as to why, right? So no, we're not putting this person on attendance. Yes, you are putting them on attendance management. And then having to go back to the staff who has just come to me and said, hey, this is why I'm off. And me being like, so um, you're on attendance management now. And mm -hmm. I know it's bullshit and I know it sucks, right? But then all that hard work that you've put in to uh, build up that, you know, that team-based environment and to build up that, you know, rapport with your staff is absolutely destroyed when, yeah. when stuff like this comes down. That was one of my biggest frustrations. And one of the kind of the main reasons I left corrections was because it was so frustrating to be working my fucking ass off every day to make it better for my staff to only have it shit on by, by processes and by mm -hmm. things that were coming down from up above from people who had no idea. And I was just like, this is exhausting. I am going home every day thinking about my staff, right? I'd be at home and with my kids at night and thinking like, oh God, so-and-so like, okay, that poor guy, you know, his, his wife and this, he's got this issue. And then, oh God, we're 10 short for staff tomorrow. Like, okay, how am I going to hire 10 overtime? Who can, who's already worked to 16? Who can I, okay, I can pull this guy and I can put him on this pod, but then he'll be mad because he doesn't want to work with so-and-so, right? And like thinking about that stuff while I'm at home with my family, right? Or thinking about it on the drive-in, I was like, this is, this is ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm, this is just mm -hmm. ridiculous. And so, Absolutely. yeah, it was, that was one of those things, like you just kind of, you hit that burnout stage. And I like basically looked at 17 years in and I was like, wait, retirement for provincial is 35 years in. Oh, wow. So you're only yeah. halfway. <laughs> Half, not even halfway. Right? And like, what a ride 17 years has been and I'm this burnt out now and I'm this tired and I'm this emotionally drained. And I was like, and I'm being a fucking terrible mom to my kids. Like I would give all my energy and my, you know, my, my goodness at work, right. To yeah. be a good boss, to be a good staff, to be good with, you know, help these inmates. And I would come home and my kids would get, like I told my kids to lock up one day cause I was mad. And I was like, go lock up. And then I was like, Oh my God, I just told my kids to lock up instead of like <laughs> to go to their rooms. Right. Mm -hmm. Like how has work like just taken over the energy, the energy capacity is zero totally. when you get home from something. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. only had one child, but I noticed it after the first one, I was like, I am a shitty, I'm not a good mom. I'm just not, yeah. I'm, I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good mm -hmm. friend. I'm just yeah. like my days off. I'll just sleep. And, and then that's not me. I'm very extroverted. I love to be with people. I got my energy from people. And then it was like, I got to a point where I was like, 
ooh, I'm not myself. This is not yeah. who I am. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time. I, of course, I'm different than I was, but it took me a long time to get back to that. Uh, my husband likes the version that likes to stay home and not do as many things. <laughs> so does yeah, I. Yeah, he prefer the drunk version. He just preferred the version that was like a little bit less, you know, into people. So yeah, <laughs> well, I, that, that's that's exactly it. Like, and then you start to self medicate because you're not sleeping. So then you're taking yeah. sleeping pills to go to sleep, and then oh. you're waking up and you're drinking shit tons of caffeine or you're taking you know a caffeine pill to wake up or you're you know drinking a lot way more than you should be right way more than just like ah day six beers let's go for beers you're like day six day one off day two off day three off (laughs) these sleeping pills aren't working just have you know have some vodka with them a nice hot baileys that'll do it (laughs) well and and it's and it's normal because everybody on shift is doing it right Mm -hmm. you get off shift at 11 p.m you go home and I, I worked in Red Deer for a while. So I was commuting back and forth every day for a year and a half, right? For every wow. shift. So by the time I get home, it'd be one in the morning, but you're still pretty keyed up because you've been on shift. So then I was going to bed at like three and then getting up at six with my kids because they got to go to school and you got to get them up and you got to, you know, you got to be a mom or working night shifts, coming mm-hmm. home, dropping them off at school, sleeping for like maybe three or four hours. Cause again, you don't sleep on night shift. You sleep with shit. And then waking up and having to be like super mom at 3 p.m. because all your kids get off and they're so excited to see you because you were gone all last night and they right. didn't see you all day. And you're like, I just fucking woke up. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot do this right now. Right. And again, being grumpy with your kids and being grumpy with your spouse. And I just, yeah, it was one of those things I was like, this is like one of those life changing moments where I kind of like looked around and I was like, 17 years in 18 to go, you know, like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to continue on? And so I was like, I'm going to pull the pin. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull the pin. And I I told my best friend, she's still in corrections. I told her and she started bawling and she's like, I can't believe you're going to let, you know, this break you down and that, you know, you're going to, cause I was always the one that like fought against everything. I was always the one that spoke up in the meetings and was like, this is stupid. I don't agree. Like, you know, I, this, why are we doing it like this? You know? And, and anytime somebody kind of knocked me down, I came back and I was like, well, I, one of my, one of my things is, you know, like, you want to throw me to the wolves I'll come back leading the pack right and so that was always my mentality but I just said said to her I said you know I'm fucking exhausted I'm so exhausted for uh, fighting for every basic thing that I need to do Mm -hmm. I cannot do this anymore and I was like I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this other thing so I'm a I'm a certified yoga and fitness instructor yoga was honestly I also played competitive rugby and so my body was broken years (laughs) has been Okay, so what year is this? What year is this? You decide, I'm done. I'm out of here. You left. 2019. 2019. Okay. Yeah. So right before the pandemic comes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Slid right on out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. That's smart. It was basically reason. Totally. Yeah. It was kind of the spring summer of 2019 that I like just a bunch of stuff was going on. Work was really shitty. I wasn't feeling supported at at work. I wasn't, you know, my husband was like, something is wrong with you. Is your husband in corrections or law enforcement? 
No, okay. he's a heavy duty mechanic, which has been kind of a saving grace because he, but it's also kind of hard. Like I understand why, why law enforcement people marry law enforcement because you come home and like, I would be like, he'd be like, how was your day? And I'd be like, oh, this, this happened, right? Like a very, very generic based version of what happened that day. Not that somebody's head got stomped in and I saw brains all over a cell. Like, you're not going to tell your parent, you're not going to tell your significant other that because you don't need to bring that trauma onto them. Right. Right. Um, but, but also like, then who do you talk it out with? Mm-hmm. Unless you're talking out with other work friends, but then means your whole life revolves around work and work friends, yeah. which is something yeah. that I never wanted. Right. And so, but yeah, he was like, you know, something's changing with you. Like you're, you're not, you're not happy. You're not, you're stressed out, you know, like you're, and, and I just kept being like, no, it's fine. It'll get better. It'll get better. And then finally I was like, it's not getting better. And so yeah. I have yeah, to, so, I have to make a decision here going forward so, yeah, to make totally. it better because the yeah. fight that I'm, and I, I totally know this, right. The fight that I'm fighting, I'm not winning. Yeah. Um, and I don't have the the energy or the strength or the capacity to keep going forward with it. And I, I know I'm not going to change the world. Although I, I thought that when I was 22, I thought mm-hmm. for sure I'm going to yeah. go in and I just thought, no, I am being defeated in every single mm-hmm. possible. And, and I can't live like this. Right. And, and yeah. I can tell just from, talking to your your leader you're you like to lead mm-hmm. you like to and yes. it's like i can't lead people when i don't have the the skills or the tools or the people in my back pocket to say totally. here's how we go right and you're only one person and you just have to be like okay good i gotta move on and okay so you left and you have yeah. all this training yoga certified yoga yeah. instructor yeah and then have... sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say um First off, I just want to say, like, yeah, corrections has a way of breaking your spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to find a way to build that back up. So you're a certified yoga instructor. We also know, like, you run Blue Line Fitness Testing. So tell us, like, how, like, how did that all come about? Yeah, basically, like, so I've been teaching fitness classes and and uh, fitness classes for the last what would it be now, sixteen years, oh, and wow. then yoga for the last six years wow like time just freaking flies um and uh, and I always loved it like teaching fitness has been always been something that like I just love I love being able to motivate people I love the energy that comes from group fitness classes um you know you, this when you can see people who have changed their lives because of exercise and because they're just like oh my god I feel so good or like that was so awesome and I pushed myself so hard and you were so good you you made me do one last you know thing or one last rep or one last and it was I loved it and then the flip side of yoga being you know like you can still push yourself but it's also about like you have to lay on the mat and just be oh that's hard that's harder than any workout class so every time that like gong goes I'm like oh fuck I was totally thinking about something yeah you know when you're not supposed to be thinking yeah yeah well and like that was me too when I first started doing yoga I was like shavasana so laying in corpse pose at the end I was like how the fuck do we get out of this? Like, can I, could I quietly ninja roll to the side and like crawl <laughs> out of the room? Right? I, got I, things, I got things I gotta do. I got things to do, right? And then, and then same thing. One day it just clicked and I was like, oh, oh God. Oh, I get, oh, this is okay. But I mean, there's still days where I'm like, even when I'm teaching, I'm like, okay, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, I have to keep track of time, you know, to stay on time for class. But I'm also like, okay, we've been in Shavasana for three minutes. Like, let's, okay, how many more? Second, like 10, nine, eight, ding, ding, ding. Okay. (laughs) Because I'm like, I got things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, and I just, I love that fitness side of things. And when I was a manager, I couldn't 
hire enough staff to work because there was only one place at, in Edmonton at the time, uh, Grant McEwen, where you could run the correctional officer's fitness test. And I was like, and they were always booked up because there's only one, they only run it, I think once a month, right? And, and I was like, well, I need 150 staff and I can't hire them. In Red Deer, I needed, you know, only 12 staff, much smaller center, but I still couldn't get them. And if we had an inmate that went out to hospital duty, like I had staff that had already worked 16, so I couldn't fill positions. And I was like, this is really stupid. Like, there's a big niche market here that I could fill, right? I have the fitness and background. I have this corrections background, like an actual law enforcement background, because everybody else that runs the testing has a gym background. They were a, a fitness, you know, a personal trainer or something. So they know the fitness side of things, but they don't know like yeah. what it's actually like to scrap somebody in a cell, right. you know, or in drag your body out or drag a body yeah. out. Exactly. Right. And so I started kind of doing a little bit of research and I was like, I'm going to do this. And I came home to my husband and I was like, so I'm going to start a business. He was like, <laughs> oh man, Nikki, this is what? so my life. I yeah. like, so, uh... <laughs> and he's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was exactly it. He was like, you're going to what? And I was like, I'm going to start a business. And he's like, you don't know anything about business. And I was like, nope, I don't, but I'm going to learn it and I'm going to figure it out on the, on the fly. So <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And he was like, I mean, my husband, he's a saint. Like he, I still to this day, I'm like, I don't know how, why you're still married to me. I would have divorced me a long time ago, right? But, but he was like, all right, like you, you want to do this and like, let's do it. And I was like, okay. And so yeah, I went, I flew down to Abbotsford. I got certified. I bought the equipment, made a big, big investment in the equipment. And then started running testing in February of 2020, ran two weeks of testing and promptly got shut down because of COVID, uh, which was super challenging and stressful, um, especially because I had such a large equipment purchase and was trying to make payments on it um, and new into the market, right? Nobody really knew who I was. Like I have lots of friends still in law enforcement, you know, on word of mouth, but like still not, not known out there. And then um, in May, I was like, at May of 2020, I was like, I can't not be running this. Like this equipment cannot be sitting in my garage and me not working. Like I need to do something. And so I took it outside and I started running the testing in parking lots and like community center rink, like outdoor rinks and like cool. things like that. Nice. And I was just like, nice. If there's and resourcefulness, if you didn't get well, anything from corrections, you got resourcefulness. Totally, I say that totally. all the time. It's like well, all the shit to a parking lot if I have to. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny because like I have a tattoo and it says it's in Latin, but it basically says I shall either find a way or make one and yeah. like that was exactly it I was like this this is this is it so for the whole summer we were outside in parking lots and business grew and business grew and word of mouth and again I'm I'm very passionate about what I do and and that kind of shines through and I pour a lot of time and effort into these into these tests for people so we run the correctional officers test we run the pair which you need for um RCMP border patrol peace officers sheriffs fish and wildlife uh, we run the POPAT, which is the police officer's physical abilities test, which is usually used in Saskatchewan for their uh, Saskatchewan police or in BC for BC police. So Saanich, Victoria, those kind of places. 
Then we also run the SOPAT, which is the Sheriff's Officers Physical Abilities Test, which is BC and uh, Saskatchewan sheriffs um, do that test. And so, yeah, so I just kind of started doing that and then branched out a little bit into A prep, which is for Edmonton Police and Calgary Police. We don't have the full equipment to do that. They're quite territorial about their uh, fitness testing, but I do do practices for them. And um, you have to run the beep test if you've ever run the beep test. Yeah. It's, it's shitty and everybody hates it, but we do that practice test for that and stuff like that so and yeah it just got busier and busier and busier and we branched into first aid and cpr now so you can do your certification and recertification and then in october of 2020 we got our permanent space so we have a permanent location now in edmonton and that's been awesome because we've been able to kind of branch out even more and now we offer yoga and meditation Oh, uh, for first responders, we offer uh, some mental kind of uh, wellness and readiness workshops. So again, if you're kind of test anxiety or a little bit of sports psychology before you run the test, or if you're just having, again, kind of that uh, looking for coping strategies on, you know, stress within work, within the shift, that kind of stuff, we offer those. Um, and it's really boomed. Wow, that's so incredible. That's so good. It's, yeah. And it's, so, it's, it's so needed. So it, where, where, did, where can people find you? Blue Line Fitness yeah, Testing. We're on, yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Blue Line Fitness Testing. Um, and then at info at bluelinefitnesstesting.com is our email. And www.bluelinefitnesstesting.com is our website. You can find tons of information there. We've got lots of information on the testing. Um, there's videos. There's the obstacle course breakdown. So you can kind of see where you need to go. A bunch of different testy tips and tricks. So ways to best kind of prepare. We offer fitness programs as well. So if you're, if you're thinking of a career in law, enforcement is what you want to do but you don't know if you're quite fit enough um we do have fitness programs and we have offer we offer practice tests as well so if you're just kind of like eh, i don't know if i'm actually going to be fit enough or i've never ran this test before and i'd just like to try it and see how it goes you'd come and check us out um and yeah we we offer testing usually five to six times a month so there's lots of opportunities i try and work it around people's work schedules so it's not in the middle of the day so you have to take a, a day off work or anything like that um, and I'm always available for questions. If you, you, know, you have questions about being in the field, if you have questions about running the tests, I have all that. And um, we just launched our uh, personal acquisition licenses. So if you want to get your firearms licensing, we're running that as well now too. So wow so cool. yeah it's That's been a very cool. very cool i love how yeah. it's evolved so much because yeah so you're, you're right that is a niche place for you know and i remember when my husband uh, became a police officer he was like i wish there was something that prepped me for this mm -hmm. like other than mm -hmm. running and going on youtube and even yeah. like in 2010 there was like i think four videos that he watched <laughs> I was yeah. like I think this is what it might be like but it was most of it was in the United States a lot of it was in yeah. Canada so the only reason he knew anything was his brother had done the RCMP physical so he had an idea of what they ran but he was running uh the Edmonton one so it was very yeah. different so yeah, yeah it's uh yeah that I think that's so incredible I didn't so have cool. to do, did you have to do a physical sure? yeah I did I did no, the physical I didn't have to I was I, and my my core group was one of the last ones to do it but yeah and I I ran the pair when I wanted to be the RCMP so I was ready for the the Copat, so that's the one mm -hmm. I ran in the gym at EIFW, but <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it was it was good, but like something like this would have been awesome because some of the lifting and carrying mm -hmm. and we had to push this thing on a wall that yeah. would have been amazing because I was like at the gym going, what, right? So mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, it's amazing for, what you do. For women too, it is. It's like, it's, it's pretty intimidating. Like I remember when I ran my cool path the first time, 22, right? I was in like great shape. I was playing competitive rugby. I was long listed for Canada. So I was like in some of the best shape of my life. And I still walked in. It was like shitting bricks. There was only three females. There were 17 guys. I watched, and of course it went alphabetical. So T, I was at the end. I watched a bunch of guys go through and fail. I watched Mm -hmm. the two other females go through and fail. And I was like, holy fuck, like shitting my pants. Like, oh my God about this, right? Ran it, passed it, was super happy with that. Um, But again, it was like one of those things and I was like, it's really intimidating as a female to walk into a testing facility where there are majority male participants, Mm -hmm. usually male fitness leaders, right? And, and there, you may be the only female, like I have classes lots of times or testing dates lots of times when, um, you know, there's only one female and I like being that person that's there. That's like, yeah, girl, like you got it. Like, let's do it. it, Right. And I feel like, I feel like that's really going to help women get into law enforcement because there's a lot of women out there that would be phenomenal officers in, in any capacity and are just too intimidated to do the physical part of things. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, as women, we are way fucking stronger than we think Mm -hmm. we are we are way fitter than we think we are we're way more powerful than we think we are and we allow ourselves to be kind of talked out of things well because you're a girl like are you really going to work in a jail like you're a girl yeah Yeah, motherfucker i am and watch (laughs) me slay it i I tell the story all the time i'll tell like what i called my boyfriend at the time and i was like uh i think they hired me to be a corrections officer he's like i don't fucking think so like have you seen yourself (laughs) like (laughs) yeah you're right you're right i'm not yeah (laughs) and because i didn't do a physical i was like oh yeah i'm totally confused i'm (laughs) i fucked this up in my head somehow (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh well i this is amazing nikki thank you so like honestly thank you so much for reaching out to us because i did Mm -hmm. not know anything about you but i'm so excited to share everything about your your business and your story and all of that going forward so um thank you for reaching out so good and i want to ask you something in closing i want to say what are you living for nikki um, I, you know what? I love this. I love this question. <laughs> I really do. And like, it gives me goosebumps. It just gave me goosebumps right now. Um, because I like, that's exactly it. Right. Before, I mean, what was I living for? I was living for getting up, going to work and coming home. Like mm-hmm. that's a pretty shitty existence. Right. And now I'm living for Like I want to inspire and motivate and empower as many people as I can in some fun, some way or another, maybe it's to do the fitness test. Maybe it's to start a business when you have zero fucking clue how to do it, right? Like maybe it's to be a female entrepreneur. Again, you know, maybe you already have a business. Maybe it's just to go out there and put yourself out there and, you know, email people and be like, hey, I want to be on your podcast. (laughs) Right. And then maybe they'll say yes, right? Like, I mean, I I think that's the best way, right? If you're living to just lead and inspire and motivate other people i think that's the best thing ever because it just it makes everything around you better it makes you excited to wake up in the morning it makes you want to put forth 110 percent, right which which is something that i totally believe in so yeah that's what i'm living for uh, awesome good awesome. answer yeah that's so good so good oh well thank you again honestly this is such a great conversation i feel like um it's gonna help a lot of people so absolutely 
Well, and thank you ladies for, for running this podcast, because like I said, I, if I had never found you, I wouldn't have heard so many amazing stories as well from all your other <laughs> you know, people on and, and your guys' stories. I, like I said, I love it. I laugh. I've, I'm the crazy person that has my earphones in. That's just laughing as she's walking by herself <laughs> in the morning. And people are like, like, like laughing. I know so many people are like, Oh, are you talking to me? I'm like, no. And I am. I Okay, well, you have a good one. Thank you again for being here. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at From Uniforms to Unicorns uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also, feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also, feel free to share with anybody you think would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day. Love, Lauren and Sharon.